G'day guys, Todd here. Welcome to the podcast. On this episode, I catch up with Australian Speedway legend, Sam Masters. Sam is based in the UK for most of the year, and he races in the Polish and English Speedway Leagues. This year, 2021, Sam rode for the Wolverhampton Wolves, Edinburgh Monarchs, and a Polish team whose name that I've got no idea how to pronounce. In 2017, Sam won the Australian 500cc Speedway Championship a four-round series, usually held in January each year. So he certainly has the credentials on the track. Sam is back here in Newcastle for the off-season at the moment to spend some very well-deserved time with family and friends after a lengthy break overseas due to all the COVID stuff that's going on in the world. So huge thanks to Sam for having me over at his place. I hope you all enjoy this podcast just as much as I did. Thanks. G'day Bulldusters, welcome to a special interview we've got here today with Speedway Guru, Sam Masters. Welcome back to Australia, Sam, how you going man? Good thanks mate, yep, it's been a long time since we've been home, so we're enjoying it. Off to the beach today for the first time, so uh, we'll enjoy that. I'm sure you will, you brought this UK weather back with you mate, it's been cloudy and raining and shit house for the last little bit, so... <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> no worries. It, uh, it was a little bit colder when we left there. It started snowing, so we're still better off being here. Yeah, my, my word, mate. So um, what's it like being back home, catching up with family and friends, I'm, I'm sure you are? Yeah, well, it's been 17 months or 16 months, I think it was, exactly, to, since we left. So it's, uh, it seems like a while since we've seen everyone. So we've first few nights going out for tea and catching up with everyone, seeing what everyone's doing, and uh, everything's quite still the same here, really. But, um, yeah, everyone's just got that 16 months older and wiser, <laughs> I suppose. And uh, But, no, nah, it's good to be home with the family. It's been a long, a long time. It feels like a long time, especially I've got Lenny and, and Tegan, so it's not just me that they're missing out on. So um, I don't even think that anyone cared about us coming home. It was more Lenny. So uh, yeah. It's always about the kids now, yeah, hey? Yeah, it is. It ain't about us. It's... <laughs> Answer the phone. How's Lenny? Yeah. What about me? Yeah. <laughs> but no. yeah, we're the big kids now, mate. My my parents and everyone's the same. You know, they ring up. Oh yeah, where's Florence and Harvey? Where's the kids? Want to talk to them? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Righto. No worries. That's it. Yeah. It's not a, not about us, but yeah. I suppose it's it's us that brought them up. So. And how's being a dad, mate? You enjoying that? Obviously, Tegan, your partner, Lenny, the little one, and it's all going pretty good for you. Yeah, I love it. It's uh, especially after a bad night's racing or whatever, you come home and he's they're smiling. Doesn't really matter. So um. I love being a dad. I mean, ever since he was born, it's pretty much just been a hectic world, really. So, um, yeah, I've enjoyed every minute of it. They've, he's been with me the whole time, and it's been fun. He won't know anything other than dirt bikes and speedway and travelling around. Aeroplanes, yeah. Aeroplanes, so, having a good time. Yeah, well, he was he was 10 months old and had been in 10 countries at yeah, at that age, and uh, not many people do that in their lifetime. So um, he doesn't know any different. <laughs> That's for sure. Mate, how's life in the UK? You're based over there, obviously, most of the time, and you have been now for, it must be about, what, 10 years or 10 so? Years, yeah, 2010 was my first year. You had that then, one season back here where yeah. the, there was those visa issues, I remember that. That's it, yeah. But um, you've been over there for a while now. Yeah, it's been good. It's, uh, I haven't really reached probably what I wanted to be, a Grand Prix rider. Like, I mean, I've done Grand Prix, but a full-time Grand Prix rider would be where I'd like to be, but um, yeah, other than that, I've I've made a living out of it. Uh, got a lot of friends and travelled around and seen a lot of people. And 
haven't had to work, which has been nice. So other than that year I had off, I had a bit of a visa troubles. and um, But to be honest, that was one of the best things that happened to me in my career, really. It yeah, actually right. made me realise how good racing being a Spiro rider really was. And uh, I treated it a little bit differently. And ever since then, it's it's been a lot more enjoyable. Well, you certainly got, you know, you're in a position that a lot of people envy, man. Like, you know, we're all packing up and going to work and doing all these things every other day and watching people like yourself ride bikes for a living, man. It's... It's pretty cool. And like you said, you you had that year off to realise that. and Yeah, that geez, even that was a while ago. Was that 2011 or 12 or something? Oh, 13 that was. 13, yeah. was it? Yeah, right. So I did 10, 11, 12, done three seasons and then had a year off. So, uh, yeah, yeah right. I yeah, definitely appreciate it after that. Mm, for sure. To paint the picture a little bit for the listeners, not all of them are going to be across everything in Speedway and all the rest of your career. A little bit of backstory, mate. So where does your dirt bike journey start? Throwing a leg over a peewee like the rest of us? Well, my cousins raced motorbikes. Okay. And they were older than me. Um, yeah, Dane was like six years older than me and Dane, uh, Jay was nine years older than me and then their dad raced, which is my uncle's, uncle's brother, David, and uh, I just fell in love with motorbikes as soon as I seen them. We got a photo when I was about two sitting on a peewee, but my mum was always saying, no, nah, he's not doing that. My <laughs> son Sam's not doing that. And then... In the end, I'm the one still doing it, and they're not. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then I think I was about five year old, and Mum and Dad got me a peewee for Christmas, and way it went. Got me some gum boots and a hand me downs off them, and done a club day at Central Coast, and off I went. There you go. And then junior dirt track growing up, that was your thing. Who were you? Who were you racing against? Who were you some of your competition through there? Any names that we'd know? Well. I'll, Casey Stoner was older than me, but like we sort of could follow him a little bit, and then, then um, yeah, Luke Richards, Glenn Scott—they're all pretty good. They had pretty good careers, really. Um, yeah, because you're just a little bit younger than me, and I remember like Richo and some of those yeah. dudes because they when we were going to do like the Joel Elliott Memorial at Curry, you'd race a lot of those kids and like Rowan and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, yeah Rowan, I've been with him a long time, ever from the start, and we're still together now. So. Um, mm. But yeah, Luke and Glenn Scott, they were they were hard to beat back in the day. It was always us us three in the in, in the Aussie titles battling out. So um yeah, I think I think uh, Glenn may have retired from road racing last year and uh Luke still an awesome dirt tracker. Probably never really he was better than all of us actually. He never really went on to do what he could have done really, I think. But yeah. um he still enjoys riding bikes, I think. So um yeah, that was the boys I was battling with back in the day. So what was it about dirt track that sort of got you hooked? You know, like you're pretty capable on a motocross bike. We've ridden plenty together back in the day when we were a bit younger and you're pretty capable on all sorts of bikes. But what was it that got you hooked about that or Speedway or just the speed or? I didn't really have a choice in it, to be honest. <laughs> uh, my cousins did dirt track and then Speedway. And then, so I just started doing dirt track and all my bikes were set up for flat track, you know? So yeah. Motocross wasn't really an option. Yeah. Um, then it wasn't till later on, till I met you guys, really, that I started doing a little bit of motocross and wobbled around your track a few times and enjoyed that a lot. So I don't, I don't, didn't really think too much about the motocross side of it. It's yeah, it was I was racing flat track nearly every weekend, so I didn't need to do the motocross. But I wish I did do a bit more as a, as a kid. I would have been probably would have made me a bit more tougher. Yeah, yeah, right. So yeah, I just. Dirt track was where it started and sort of stuck with it. Yeah, fair enough. So you've grown up, raced junior dirt track. 
But before you go to the UK and race Speedway, you were just like the rest of us, working a normal job. So I guess what were you doing, and then how does how do you make that next step? Yeah, well, I I was at school obviously and racing junior speedway and and dirt track still. And Graham Boyd hit me up. Well, I can't really remember how it happened, but I hated school. <laughs> like I think we all did, or a lot of us did. And um, I said to Graham, Graham used to help me with some gear and that every now and then. And I think my mum and dad, or my dad said to him. Reckon you can give me something to apprenticeship. I was only fifteen at the time, so I hadn't even finished school. Yeah, and yeah, I finished year nine, and he gave me a job. And fifteen, I was finished my apprenticeship by the time I was eighteen at the old Suzuki shop. Yeah, the old Suzuki shop, learning there and uh, washing bikes, and probably being a pest to everyone in there. And <laughs> yeah, then I'm sure they've all got fond memories of you, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still keep in touch with a lot of them, but um, yeah, I don't really know. I think. I started doing okay and, uh, yeah, just a few, few clubs that sort of rang and mum and dad never let me go over to the UK because um, yeah, they wanted me to finish the apprenticeship, which I'm grateful of now. I was not real happy at the time, but, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm happy that that happened. And then one year, the end of, I was finishing my apprenticeship, 2009, and all the big boys come back and Darcy had just been world under-21 champion, Chris Holder just qualified for the Grand Prix and obviously Helen, just before that you had people like Crumpy and all that doing really well yeah, too yeah and they were all doing look we all looked up to them and um got a good engine and had a good summer and beat a few of the boys and mixed it with them and mum and dad sort of thought then yeah he's ready and a few clubs rang Jason Doyle actually helped me out with a club at Somerset and 2010 I was racing in England and that was that. Off it went. Off it went. I think you're about to say there that Helen, the JWP guys, helped you out with an engine. Was that where you were going with that? Yeah, that's right. So that summer, 2009, I sort of done pretty good through that year. But when they were coming back, I needed to take that next step to keep up with them boys. And Helen stepped in and, and bought me an engine and the thing was fast. One of the <laughs> quickest ones I've ever owned, really. Yeah. And straight away, it was, yeah, that got me going and got some good results on that. And yeah. Helen's been a big supporter of yours, and mine too, over yep. the years, i got to say. Awesome family. And I think that was about when I got to know you around about then. So Yeah, yeah that's it. Yep. There you go. Mate, obviously lots of ground to cover in between you going to the UK for that first season and now. We won't go across everything, but some highlights along the way? Well, that year when I bought that engine was probably where it all sort of started to to make a career out of it is when I got that engine. And the first meeting I used it, we raced at Tamworth. Darcy Ward was there. I beat him in the heats. And I thought, Jesus, I'm going all right now. And then... Yeah, he's a GP rider at that yeah, point. So yeah. you're like, yeah, cool. This is going the right way. And then Chris had beat me in the heats. But then we got to the final. Chris Holder, that is. Chris Holder, yeah. Yep. And Jason Doyle, I think, was in the final as well. And um, I ended up getting second to Darcy, beating Chris and Doyle, Doyle and I thought, so that's a, that was a highlight, just that meeting sort of got me going. Yeah. You know, it only takes one good run and sort yeah. of get you going. Then 2010, done my first season, learn a lot. Um, Who'd you ride for in that summer first season? Rebels, yeah. Yeah, okay. Which they've just closed down last year, unfortunately, but it started there. I had, had a pretty good season for like for your first year. I'd learn a lot and, and had some good results. And then the next year I'd stepped it up again and... They do like a Premier League Riders Championship. So all the top boys from the the second division in England have like a one one meet and I actually won that. So that was probably 
the biggest highlight at the time. Yeah. So then, then yeah, I had another year and had a year off. In 2014, went back for Edinburgh and we absolutely won everything. So 2014, the whole season was like a bit of a, it was a really good season. So much fun, you know, with the boys that we're with and good bunch of mates. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, that was a good time. So I've got a lot of highlights really, but. Yeah, yeah. 2017 Aussie Championship. Yep. A little bit about that one. Yeah, that was a big one because I think I'd run second about three years in a row before that. There was a bit of a mishap with the points the year before and I probably should have won it if they went on the point system. It wasn't clear and what happened. Um, but anyway, didn't win it. Wasn't meant to, obviously. Yep. So I was pretty determined to win it the next at 2017 and um, put my mind to it, trained pretty hard, got bring, bring some good bikes back and... Yeah, won the season, yeah, won, nice. the, won the won uh, the series. So uh, that that's probably the biggest highlight of my career, really, winning the Australian Championship. Yeah, and you're up against like obviously it's it's the UK off season, the Australian summer. So you're coming back here. You've got some pretty stiff competition. Like there's a lot of boys who come back. Who are we up against that year? Who'd you? I think everyone, pretty much every Australian that races abroad, except Jason Doyle and Chris Holder, sat that one out. Okay, so um. Lucky they said out, but um, but <laughs> again they were both still, GP. They were already at that point. in the GP. They didn't need to do it, but you got to like the rest of these boys are fighting hard, you know. So to win an Australian championship, even without them guys, it's tough. So um, yeah, you know, like Rowan's really good here in Australia. Well, he's good everywhere, but he he somehow he's hard to beat. Really hard to beat here in Australia. And Brady Kurtz and Jack Holder and all them were there. Troy Batchelor. So yeah, it was it was a tough year to win it, and started this. actually started not so good in the the first round in down in Adelaide, but then we sort of pulled it out out of the bag and got it done in the end. This season, two thousand and twenty one, um, who'd you ride for? What leagues were you in? How'd you go? I raced in the first and second division in the UK. Okay. I raced in the top league for Wolverhampton, and I was. The number one for them, which was good, and also in the second division for Edinburgh Monarchs, which I was number one for too. So that was cool. And then I did a little bit in Denmark, not too much, for um, uh, Edgeberg, sorry, Edgeberg Vikings they were, and uh, in Poland for Jezhov. Yeah, so they're on the very uh, east side of the country of, of Poland. So And I had a pretty good year in, in all the leagues, which is good after a pretty crazy 2020, which I lived in Poland to do that, that season and as the UK didn't run. So, um, yeah, it was a good season. Yeah, nice. So the whole 2020 disruption, as you just sort of alluded to, so you're, how did it all work out for you? you? We just sort of quote spoke for five minutes off air and I sort of wanted to capture it on here a bit. So you're in the UK, you're over there, shit hits the fan, the Rona's there, then what? Yeah, so we were here. We normally go 1st of March is normally our flight to to the UK. So we left on the 1st of March and by the 10th of March, we are back in Australia. But um, we sort of, this corona thing sort of started on the news and my dad was panicking. I just thought, it's been dad, you know, like worrying about nothing. So we fly over like normal. We rented a house, me, Tegan and Lenny. We moved in. And like we within eight eight days of 
moving in or moving back out, jumping on a plane and coming back to Australia. And at this stage, within that, say, that two weeks of leaving, airports were just like ghost towns. Like it was from normal two weeks later to nothing, yeah, you know. Right. So we get home. <laughs> it was pretty gnarly. We get home and then uh, we're sitting here, didn't really know what was happening until like June, July. Mm. And then, yeah, Poland starts. So I thought we can... Um, yeah, I've had like a couple of offers like in Poland uh, to go back and finish the season. I actually had a club, Ostrov in Poland, and they said to me, if you come over, you can race for us in like a second division club in, in Poland. I said, yeah, sweet, because I wasn't going to go. I said, oh, it'll be worth me while if I can do two two leagues out there. Yep. We get there and the governing body of Poland actually stopped that. So I could only do one league. Oh, jeez. And I, and I only had a choice to do the second division. So then I end up sticking with Apollo and lucky for them, they give me the opportunity and it was reduced pay for everyone. Yeah. So we got, I said to Tegan, you know, if we can just get by cost, as long as it costs me nothing and we probably won't make, make much money this year, then at least we haven't had another year out, you know? So, um, then I end up getting a, a team in, in Sweden, Vastavik, thanks to Morgan, who I've known for a while. He, uh, Got me in there. So I was in Poland and Sweden for like three, four months and it was pretty flat out for that three months and done okay in the end. It was actually not a bad season. So End up working out okay. Yeah. So then we drove back to the UK and our plan was to fly back to Australia, but we just couldn't get here. Yeah. We didn't want to do the quarantine and it was, the cost of it was just outrageous. So yeah. we sat it out and stayed in the, in the UK for the winter. So you were just based in Poland and then travelling to and from Sweden. How does travel work at that point? Like, is it a shit show or is it okay? Or um, Like, just obviously it's internal yeah, still. Yeah, so. like, because it's in Europe, the, the travelling and the flights were still available. Well, I wasn't flying. I was just get, driving from Poland to the ferry. The ferry would take us straight into Sweden. And, and that was quite normal. You know, you had masks and... yeah cleaning your hands and a bit of social distancing going on. But when, when the Polish season sort of started, there was not much crowd. And then by the end, it was like pretty full. Yeah, right. Obviously, that it was the middle of summer, so the weather was quite good. Um, yeah, and the, the COVID went right down over there. But then, uh, but Sweden had no crowds. Right. They, they, we were just riding. With, yeah, no crowds. And it was a little weird, but um, yeah. So yeah, I was based in Poland and just getting the ferry to and from. Sweden, so yeah, right. There you go. Is it is it much of a journey to do that, or is it pretty straightforward? Well, from where I was, I'd live like right in the center of Poland, and it was like three, four hours to the ferry, and then off the ferry, depending on where you raced in Sweden, was you know six hours maximum. You know, you might right drive three, two or three hours, but yeah, not too bad. And I was doing that with a mechanic, so pretty easy. Yeah, nice. There you go. Yeah. A little bit of a change. The bikes you guys ride. 500s, no brakes, left turn only. I put some messages up to say, hey, who's got some questions? And there was quite a few really just asking about how you guys are nuts riding those bikes. But I have some questions about the bike. So is there much setting up you do on your bike? Like, are you changing, fiddling with things? Like, what are you doing to your bike to, you know, customize it for you, make it as good as you can? Like, obviously, it's worlds away from what I'm used to in dirt bikes, motocross. So, what are the things you do on your bikes? 
Well, if you were to ride one, it's pretty. You do the standard things, you know. You get different length foot pegs. I'm quite tall, so I got a long foot peg and handlebars where you sit them and height seat seat heights. That's quite simple. But then when you start racing them and and trying to get as much out of them as you can, then it's you know setting it up with the sprockets and ignition and jetting and wheel length and cl- different clutch plates. So there's a, there is a lot to a speedway bike. You might look at it and it looks like just a a motorbike engine in a pushbike frame, which it kind of is, but there's a lot to it to make you go fast. So, um, yeah, when when it comes down to, like, trying to get the most out of it and you're changing the ignition, like, one or two degrees a race or getting find the right jet or sprocket for each track, sprocket's, like, a big thing. So, um, so it, you're changing gearing quite a bit depending on the track. Yeah. And obviously know, the length of the track makes that. Yeah. You never really do a whole meet without change, with, without not changing anything. You know, you're always changing something. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of thinking involved. And that's where if you've got a good mechanic, it uh, makes life a lot easier. So, yeah, there's a lot to be done. Um, but you see people just turning up with different height seats trying to get off the start. and But, you know, like 80% of the race is making a good start so yeah if you can concentrate on that then makes life easy practicing preparation training all that sort of stuff so during the season you know you're racing multiple nights a week so you're not short on time on the bike you're getting gate drops flat out what else are you doing to stay sharp is there anything else you're doing or you're that busy you don't have time like what else are you sort of doing to keep on top of things we do i don't really do much gym work so i'm quite tall as soon as I start going to the gym, I get too heavy, you know, I'm racing against whippets. Some of these guys <laughs> are like jockeys, man. So, yeah, I, during before the season, I'm always out on the push bike. Motocross bike, I think, is the best training. Yeah. Um, which I just bought one yesterday. and um, Got a bike. What'd you get? KDM 450. Nice. Yeah. So, that'll do me for a few months. But, um, yeah, I do a lot of running. Uh, a lot of push bike riding, a lot of motocross riding. I know the other little fellas; they they're in the gym a lot, a lot of cycling. Yeah. Um, but in the season, yeah, it is. It's hard. You can go for a run on your day off. I I just try and do something like that. I I don't like I said I don't do any weights or anything in the gym because I I have done it before and felt so uncomfortable on the bike. Yeah. Um, but yeah, during the season you're you're that busy. You're practicing as well as you, on your days off, trying to you know. So you are getting in practice time on the bike as well? Yeah, in Poland you do a lot of practicing. In England, not really. Um, So, yeah, during the season you're racing three, four times a week, traveling to three or four different countries. So you're trying to catch up on sleep a lot of the time too. So, um, yeah, training in the season is is difficult for me. Other guys don't do as many leagues and they are training throughout the week. But Jason Doyle will tell you he's – the busier he is, the better he'll go. And I think that's stopped you thinking so much, sitting around. Um, yeah, if you're busy, then you're not thinking too much and you can just naturally do it. So, yeah, that's that's how I sort of make it happen. That's a pretty busy schedule, like, when you think about it. If you're racing, what would you say, three or four nights a week yeah. and then travelling, like you said, you're sort of at the max, sort of eight, nine, ten-hour travels to and from, race, come back. Busy schedule, man. Yeah, especially, like, one year, in 2017, I was doing like two leagues in England, Poland, Sweden, a bit in Denmark. Yeah, right. So, like, I'd do, like, Friday, Scotland for my team in Edinburgh. Saturday, travel to Poland, meeting Sunday. Monday, back at Wolverhampton. Tuesday in Sweden. 
um, Wednesday somewhere in the UK or or Denmark. Yeah. So you're just constantly and yeah, you're pretty knackered. A lot of the time, it's like sleep when you can. You know, not much sleep pattern. Yeah. Um, but I enjoy it too. Doesn't matter. Half the fun of it. Was yeah. Tegan travelling with you a lot at that point? Nah, she doesn't do much abroad. She stays in the UK a bit. She's yeah. always worked in the UK. She's always worked in in a bar or a cafe or something just to keep her busy while I'm busy. And um, yeah. but now Lenny's along come come along and he's he keeps her busy on <laughs> every day. So um, but yeah, it, you know it's. It's tough on Tegan and that too because we ain't really got any family there to help us out. So she's got a big, big job in taking care of Lenny every single day, which it is our job. We are the parents, but... No, I get you, man. Like, my family do so much for me on both sides, Joe. My parents and Nat's parents help us out so much with the kids. And, you know, just having those people around. So, yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine what it must be like when it's just you and Tegan and yeah. the little one. So Yeah, there's not much downtime, but that's a good... that's. Well, we get four months off every year. We're here now. We're going to make the most of uh, the grandparents can uh, <laughs> help out a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the go. Um, so we had some listener questions. So Hado McBride wants to know, what's the fastest 450 you've ever oh, ridden? I knew that was coming. <laughs> He'd kill me if I didn't say his one, would he, it? He would, wouldn't he? Yeah. That, that is a quick 450. Um one day he just asked me if I wanted to do a, a meeting on it up at Tamworth and me first me first heat I was versing some weapons, you know, Brooksy, I think he was the Aussie champion at the time. Um uh, Whale. Oh, uh, Max. Max Whale. He was there and Michael Kirkness and I knew Rubber Man, Rubber he was Man. always a weapon. He um, can send it. He can send it. Daniel Wicks, I remember and I just looked and I thought, oh, I haven't raced dirt track for ten years nearly at this stage. This was only, what, a couple of years ago? Yeah, two years ago. First heat, dropped the clutch, this thing just motors off, you know. <laughs> I said to Hayden, I hope this thing ain't big. <laughs> if this is a big engine, then I'm, I can't race this thing. But no, nah, it wasn't. Jamie Stouffer done a lot of work to it. It on methanol and all the gear on it. And um, yeah, just a missile, mate. I actually don't think, without a problem... I don't think I've been beating a race on it. And I've done about three or four meetings on it. Yeah, right. So it's a weapon. So you did all right on the big dot. Big yeah, dog. Hayden spent some some time on it, making it quick. So that's the quickest 450. I'd have to answer that if he's asking the yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yep. There you go. Um, now, I normally podcast with Jed. He's busy today, so but he did send in a question. He said, how close were you to coming back at the start of the season? Apparently, you went over there and you got a ride pulled on you and you had no money and some bits and pieces like that. Is that right? What's the story with that? Well, that was that story there where I was racing when I went to Poland and um, that that was last season, 2020. Oh, right. Yeah. So, we went over and they told me that I was going to race in two leagues in Poland. Yeah. And when I got there, they didn't allow it. So, I actually got stuck and I thought to myself, you know, I've got a family here. The money is reduced for everyone in the league. It's mm. I wasn't going to go anyway. And then... That happened, so um, yeah, I was thinking to myself, am I wasting my time here? But I was like, sort of stuck in a contract. But then, luckily, I got a the Swedish contract, and and, it all and we're all sweet. Out. So it all worked out well, and end up doing okay in the end. But yeah, it was uh, a worrying times there. I was pretty stressed about it, um, as you would be. Yeah, and I'm not a very stressed sort of person, so I was flipping a bit, thinking, I don't know if I can afford to just do one league here in Poland and. Yeah, 
in the end, it worked out, which was good. So, yeah, that's that's that story. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, one of my questions was, you know, you see the Speedway guys go on and have, like, much longer careers than traditionally in motocross. So you've still got a bit, a fair bit in the tank, you think, in time to come? Yeah, I, I definitely ain't, ain't looking at finishing anytime soon. I'd, I'd like to see if I could get to, like, 45 or something, which is another 15 years, really. Um. I enjoy it a lot. I love racing every every minute. So um, obviously, it, you, you know, it's not nowhere near as hard on our bodies as as motocross, unless you're hitting the fence all the time. You so, don't want to do that. So yeah, keep away from the fences. Keep it on two wheels, and uh, yeah, you can have a long career. Yeah, Greg Hancock showed it. I mean, he's special. He could still be going today, but he had some family family issues, I think, and um, even Crumpy, you know. He, he came back this year, 47 or 48 years old, and I think if he never took that eight years off, he could still still steer a bike quite quite good, and he can, but he's just a little rusty after having so many years off. So, sure. yeah, if I keep enjoying it like I am, I'll keep going as long as I can. Yeah, why not? Um, that's it for the listener questions. Now, we roughly finish off most podcasts with just five quick questions. So I've come up with a few here. Number one. Whereabouts in the UK do you live? Yeah, a place called Wolverhampton. Right. Where on earth is that? Because I have no idea. That's in like the West Midlands near Birmingham sort of area. Right. Right in the, right in the middle. We, right. we sort of base there. We live we lived with a family this year, actually. Harry and Jules looked after us really good. They were a big, massive house. So, yeah, that was that was cool. But, um, yeah, we live there because it's just the travelling. It's just, there's a lot of airports in that area. and Okay. I raced for Wolverhampton too, so it's... It's uh it's handy for that and um yeah. I I lived in Edinburgh and I've lived down in Somerset, but right in the Midlands is, is perfect. Is that where you're gonna be next year as well? Do you know what you're doing next year? Well we've been trying to buy a house but with the COVID thing it sort of held held us up a bit. So um yeah, it's sort of same setup as next year and hopefully at some point we can have the house sorted. Cool. Question number two. What car do you drive? What do you what's your daily drive over there? Over there. We've got a A two twenty Mercedes little oh, thing, yeah. Nice. It's cool, little little go kart to get around. Maybe a little small for for Lenny with the pram and all that, but gets us around. It's a nice little car, and Tegan loves it. I was actually going to try and sell it before I came back, but she wouldn't let me. So <laughs> we'll just be stuck with that for another year. Nah, no, sounds like a nice little rig. Most memorable race, uh, GP here in Oz, your Aussie Championship. You said before, probably something my that, first that springs to mind. My first Grand Prix race in Melbourne, I made a good start. I got second in the race, but I was expecting to just get nothing, you know, that, that night. And first heat, made a good start. And, uh, yeah, got second. That's got to be the most memorable race for me, for was, sure. Was that the Nicky Pedersen <laughs> night? <laughs> that was the next race. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty memorable, too, I suppose. But, yeah. For different reasons. I'll forget that one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess for the listeners, if you haven't, don't know about it, just work the Google Sam Masters, yeah. Nicky Pedersen, and you'll... <laughs> you might get a laugh. <laughs> yeah, you might get a laugh and <laughs> yeah. carry on with that. I, I don't suppose you uh, catch up with him for coffee or anything these days? You know what? We actually rode in the same team the next year and we got on really good. Oh, really? Yeah, Nicky himself is actually an awesome person uh, off the track. Funny, he's a character, obviously. Yeah. Um, I didn't know him before that. Um, but he's poor old mechanic, copped it in the end. So... Um, <laughs> But yeah, Nicky's actually a really good dude, and that that his mechanics and that are good people too. Really, it was just heat at the moment thing, and it was just a blow up at the time, and 
part of the fun, mate. Yeah. Hey, we all get, you know, worked up and racing yeah. and all that. And yep. The way it goes. He knew how to stir me up anyway, so, yeah. Yeah, I think anyone that saw it would certainly remember it, mate. That's for sure. Mm. For the listeners, go and have a look. It was interesting at the <laughs> Melbourne GP. Um, is there a race or event that's still on your bucket list? Um, maybe not even something you're racing in, or if it is a race you still want to do, maybe that's it. Um, or just something cool that you'd like to go to? I'd love to go to like a Supercross or something, just for the atmosphere in, in, in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be cool. Um, for me personally, to be involved in an event would just be to make the Grand Prix really. Yeah. Series. But in Speedway, I've raced in the Grand Prix. I raced for the World Cup team in Australia and done okay there. And So in Speedway, I've almost done it all. I haven't... Mate, you've had a fair go at the bucket list. Yeah, just never, never been close to becoming world champion, but it'd be nice to make a Grand Prix series That would in my career. That'd be cool. Yeah, cool. There you go. Um... And the last question I've got here, any plans to race the Hatter Desert Race again? Again. <laughs> I'd love to do that, yeah. One day. I was actually hoping that year that with the COVID thing, oh, yeah. we were stuck here. I thought, you know what, I might be able to do Hatter again. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I done that with you guys, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Um, we all stayed at the big house at Mildura. That's it, yeah. Um, you, me, and the Wilsons, and yeah. my brother and that. It was pretty cool. Yeah, all the family was there. Yeah, big massive house on the water on the, on the Murray River. That was good, yeah. I'd love to do that again. I'd like to do Fink. Oh, yeah. One day. I don't know how I'd go, but um, yeah, Hatter, that. I actually think the first lap of Hatter was one of the most fun things I've ever done on a motorbike. Second lap, not so much. But the first lap when it was just like quite smooth, chaos, riders going everywhere. Yeah, that was, that was, that was enjoyable. And it's pretty fast, like. Yeah. You're holding it on. Yeah. You're on some of them straights, man. You're tapped. Your bike can't go any quicker and you're flying past people, even people flying past you, you know. So um, I'd love to do that event again. I think it was that same year. That was one of my first years that I did it too. And I'll never forget, there's like a few big straights along those fence lines. Yep. And um, I was on a 450 Honda and I'm pretty sure I was for that event. Or oh, it might have been a Yamaha. Well, I was on your old 450 that day. That's right. So I would have been on the 350 maybe the year you were there. Yeah, I can't really remember. Anyway, whatever it was. Yep. Um, one of the years, I was there on a 450, and Ryan Branford, who used to be from yeah. like from out at Alice, like Rhodes the Fink and everything, I don't know how, but I somehow come across him on the track, and we were racing, and he's on like this Husaberg 570 or something, dude, and we're going down these straights along the fence line, and he's just like blowing my goggles off as he's going past, right? Just we're all the yeah. way, and I'm like, I just don't have the ticket to hold it on anymore. But then you get to the bush and he's trying to wrestle this 570 <laughs> through like the thick sand and I'd pass him again. You get to the next straight backwards. Went, forwards. Yep. And I was racing for ages. So had a good memories. Yeah, that was good. Um, mate, that about wraps it up for me. We don't want to go on too much here. I want to keep it a little bit short and sweet. Anything else you'd like to add? Or No, I just hopefully uh, if there's any young kids listening that, Speedway's the way to go, I think. Mm. To be honest, Speedway is such a good sport because you don't actually have to be the best, obviously, and you can make a pretty good living out of it. With mm. the motocross and I don't even know if they, you can make much money in flat track. You may be able to. Um, but like road racing, you know, cost your mum and dad a fortune and get not much from it unless you're killing it. So 
Yeah. It's a pretty good point you raise, man. Like, there's not many people that make a solid living out of riding motocross bikes. Um, especially or road racing, yeah. Or, or road racing, for that matter. Road racing more so because you've got to dip your hand in your pocket so much for that. Yep. But um, it is a fair point you raise. Like, you know, for the up-and-comers, mm. you know, have a think about Speedway because there's quite a few of you guys, local uh, Aussie guys in the UK and Poland and whatnot that you said who... Look, it's not out there making it rich, but you're earning a good living and having a damn good time doing it. That's it, yeah. You're, you're living a good life. Um, you know, you've got to, still got to win races to make money. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy at all, but it's easier to make money, I think, in I think, Speedway. Yeah, there's a fair opportunity, I guess, is the yeah. point. You know, like, there's really not that much opportunity unless you are literally the best on a motocross bike. Like, mm. There's guys in Australia right now who are professionals who are landing on the podium who have second jobs, you know, because there's not a whole lot of dollars in it. Whereas, like you're saying, like you can make a a living and have a good time and as long as you're competitive, get after it. it. Yeah, so that's the good thing about Speedway, I think. But you got to love it. We only turn turn left. You don't have to be really intelligent because I'm not. (laughs) You only got to turn left as fast as you can, but... um. That's the beauty of Speedway, but you got to love it too to, to do it. Yeah, nice. Well, mate, like I said, that about wraps it up for me. Thanks for your time. No um, problem. It's been good to catch up with you and yep. say good day and all the rest of it. Um, if people want to find you on socials, just search Sam Masters. Yeah. They'll find you, follow you. Um, what's plans for next year? What's Have you got – are you set in stone yet or – Yeah, I've, I haven't been announced or anything. So yet. can we talk about it or not really? Oh, good if you can't. Maybe not. Maybe maybe not the UK yet. But um, I've I've done a deal in Poland. Ravich, new club. Okay. They, we went, I went over and met them before I come back to Australia, and seemed like a good club and got some big ambition. So I'm looking forward to that. Yep. Um, and the UK plans and are the UK to come. plans are pretty much the same as as this year, and um, yeah. yeah, hopefully another enjoyable year. Awesome, man. Well, like I said, thanks for. Having us over here, mate, down in your dungeon. Yep. And um, at your mum and dad's place. Yep. And, um, yeah, all the best for next year, you and the family. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me.